Welcome to Season 2 of the B Major Podcast. My name is Noah Aronson. I am a composer and performer, a seeker and intentional mover. I started B Major to explore the intersection of creativity, wellness, and spirituality. On this podcast, you'll hear interviews with community leaders, artists, creatives, and a number of wellness practitioners working in various modalities of physical, spiritual, psychological, and emotional healing. offer insights into my own creative and spiritual journey, including meditations and practices, which hopefully inspire you to be happier, be healthier, be more creative, and be major. Welcome back to the B Major Podcast. Today I am in conversation with Jenna Reese, and we speak in depth about the power of Shamata Vipassana and her breathwork practice, especially as it relates to our wellness and creative journeys. We have spoken several times on this podcast about breathwork, and it keeps coming up for me as one of the most powerful tools for tapping into the intelligence of the body and accessing what Jenna says is always beneath our conscious awareness in any given moment. Our shadows like to lurk in the darkness, and they thrive when left unseen. When left to their own devices, they undoubtedly cause us to act and move through our lives in less than artful ways. Breathwork and similar practices help us consciously bring things up to the surface to shine the light of our awareness onto them so we can more effectively integrate our shadows and our darkness into our experience. Through practice, we can learn that our shadows can actually be our most powerful teachers. can those darker parts of our being be teachers for us, but they can also guide us to deeper levels of our creative expression. To me, the most powerful artists are the ones that have the courage to tap into that darkness and express it for us all to witness and share. Throughout my artistic journey, I've struggled a lot with having the courage to go to those darker places of my being. I'm frightened of them and afraid that when I face them, they'll reveal ugliness and shame that my ego is constantly trying to hide me from. In fact, the term shadow doesn't refer to the darkness itself. It refers to the character we create that helps us pretend like that dark space and that darkness within us isn't really there. More often than not, we're not even aware that our shadow is acting on our behalf. It makes choices for us that it thinks will protect us from rejection, shame, or embarrassment. And in the creative process, this can show up as resistance. Even if we know 
we feel good when we are creating. Even if we feel a strong impulse to enter into creativity and we really want our creative expression out there in the world, so often we encounter our resistance that convinces us not to do it, not to engage, not to take part in that activity. That is our artistic shadow, trying to protect us from the fear of rejection or fear that our creativity might not be accepted by the world. So practices like breath work that allow us to examine that resistance and our shadows in a safe environment can be incredibly powerful tools for helping us move more in the direction that we are wanting to go creatively and also spiritually. And when we can develop the courage to use our creativity to express some of that darkness, we are no longer suffering in silence, allowing our darkness to rule us we actually contribute both to our own healing and also to the healing of others who are experiencing our art in any given So let's give ourselves a few minutes, a few minutes of space to be with ourselves. Sink a bit more deeply into whatever surface your body is interacting with right now. Let go. Let go of tension in the body. Let go of attachment to thoughts, responsibilities. We know they'll all come back. So let's give ourselves this moment right here. experience the present moment. Notice your breath. Clouds simply pass. 
Accessing your awareness and you're simply an observer again silence let us be intentional with what we add in And so with that, let us receive the wisdom of my interview with Jenna Reese. I'm speaking today with Jenna Reese, creator of Expanded Wild Hearts Healing Intensive, a published author and certified breath worker and shamatha vipassana meditation teacher. I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Jenna, it's an honor to have you on the Be Major podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. You pronounced it beautifully as well. <laughs> you. Yeah, I was saying before that I think that there's some sort of creative, like a uh, musical expression of shamatha vipassana, shamatha vipassana. There's something in that, maybe like a hip hop groove. Um, maybe we can even just start right there. Like, I don't necessarily know. I know I've heard of what vipassana is. I know what meditation is. And we can get a little bit into what breath work is. But what is shamatha vipassana? I could just keep I thinking. love the way you say it too. You say it with that musical note. Yeah. Um, I also just personally came off of um, seeing Hamilton for the first time. So I'm feeling like way lit up on music. Uh, so this is a fun time for us to talk. Well, uh, this, is, this is the room where it happens right here. Yeah. Well, you know, too, it, it's, it's also just a lot the, uh, it sort of speaks to the evolution of these ancient practices, right. Um, and how we kind of craft, we take the, the ancient wisdom of the work and how we allow the ancient wisdom to guide us today. And then we, we find ways for it to fit into our life today. Mm. 
And that is not the same way that it fit into our life when the ancient tools really came to be, came to fruition, right? So to me, that's really what, um, what I strive to do with all of my work is, is meet people where they are today and take these ancient tools and practices and show them that they can really merge into their lives as long as they're, they have a desire to do it. And, you know, Shamatha Vipassana specifically is a practice that is ancient uh, Buddhist lineage roots. And one of the reasons why I chose this practice to study was because, first of all, the teacher that uh, I trained with, I instantly knew I connected with her as we have that inner knowing of who it is that we're meant to study with or what it is we're meant to necessarily go down and even when we don't know why and it was this individual drew me in and when I started following her path and studying with her one of the things I loved the most about the shamatha vipassana lineage was that it is a direct transmission of buddhist teachings from the buddha himself and why that is different or really what that means is the teachers of this work are all kind of given this structure, a foundation, if you will, of the pillars that it is uh, guided by. And we're given quite literally the language of the meditation. And so the language we have, you know, the three pillars being uh, awareness of mind, awareness of body and awareness of breath. So it's these three different spaces that we work with and the whole practice, maybe some words here and there are going to deviate per teacher, but really for the most part, it's a direct transmission. And that teaching is really unique in that way. We, we often, you know, you're hearing meditations and it's so beautifully, easily accessible to us all. It's a lot of times teachers channeling things themselves or connecting in and merging their practices together, which I absolutely do as well. But this specific lineage, why I loved it was because it felt unique and that it was this direct transmission. And so there really wasn't a lot of room for interpretation. And so I found that being within this structure and the strictness of the structure, that that was really where I could expand and really where so much more could happen. And it opened the doors for so much more. So I had already been studying and teaching and in my um, breathwork practice specifically when I started going down the Shamatha Vipassana practice. And I really just loved the way they naturally supported one another, but also had such different teachings that also, of course, as all spiritual work, you know, kind of ends up doing brings you back home to oneself as, as the foundation. Yeah. I think we, we talked about this when we had the prep call, but that like meditation is really just kind of the, the buzzword, but it's all breath work in the end. Um, and we've actually had other breath work facilitators on the Be Major podcast. So anybody who's been listening in the past who didn't know before might be already caught up. But if there's people who are just listening right now, um, there's some... Um, question about what breathwork even is. It's it's fascinating to me because I I discovered it maybe five years ago or so, and it completely changed my whole relationship with you know the wellness journey. Um, and so yeah, I just I I believe in it. I'm a I'm a subscriber. Uh, and if you for anybody who's listening who doesn't yet know what breathwork is and how it may be different than um, other modalities, if you can kind of help uh, expand on that. Yeah. Um, I'll speak to how I'll specifically speak to what it is and then go into the, how it's different. Um, you know, what it really is, is it's a tool. 
the breath is a tool, just like any other, just like your body, using your body as a tool and yoga, just as using your voice as a tool to sing, to sing, to speak, to, to express, just as using a keyboard as a tool and it's different than a guitar, right? These are all tools in which we use um, for expression or to move energy. One might even say breathwork is one of my favorite tools that I have found to move energy in the body. So it's a tool it's using your breath. It's using a specific breath pattern to breathe into the body, to exhale out of the body and begin again, and to repeat this pattern so that you really step out of and away from the mind and into the heart space, into that space where it's really just pure energy lives. Now, how people experience that is completely varied, really based on their backgrounds, what they've gone through, their pain, their traumas, their experiences, uh, as well as their uh, belief systems and how they were raised and what they were raised with. So how people experience this can be really just vast difference amongst every individual that steps into it. I really like to call it as individualized. It's an individualized experience based on what you are in need of healing, looking at moving through. Uh, but in really the shortest form, it moves energy in the body, helps you step away from the mind. And it's, I find it to be so unique from even other meditations and other pra energy practices in that it's one of the only tools that I know that doesn't use the mind to help you heal the body. It actually is really saying, okay, mind, you know, go ahead, sit over here for a minute. You could take a rest. I'm going to use the heart. I'm going to use my body to help heal. And I really find that to be instrumental um, in our healing journey because we really aren't taught that, you know, we are taught that exercise is good for you. We're taught that therapy is supportive for you. And those things, of course they are, and they're helpful. And what happens when someone has more stored up in their body than those things are allowing them to move through? What happens when those things are in their body and they don't even know they're there? Breath work is the thing that helps you connect to the, what's beneath the conscious level. So you can really unearth um, and ultimately move through what you need to move through and feel a little bit more yourself. Mm. So it's an energy healing tool. It's an active meditation. That doesn't mean you sweat or, you know, even necessarily move You're lying still for this form of breath work that I teach. We're lying still completely flat on the floor, on a bed, on a surface, you use this breath technique um, and some cool things might happen. So that's the, the practice itself. And it really is different. Um, I don't, I think the question would more be how, um, how is it similar? Because it's everything about it is different as far as I've experienced from every um, healing tool or um, energy modality that I've really used. Now, of course, that's not to say there's something out there, I'm sure, but really, I just don't know a lot of tools that help you get into the energy that gets physically stored in our bodies. Yoga, I'd say would be the closest that I've experienced, right? Some people would describe or have had experiences where when they're laying in Vipassana, they're bawling at the end of moving their bodies. And they're like, I don't even know why I've been crying. And I was just laying there, you know, sweating and crying. Well, that's the energy I'd say that they moved through their bodies that they've been releasing. We don't always consciously know what it's about. It sometimes tracks directly back to something. Sometimes it doesn't. It 
doesn't really matter though. You just know that at the end of all that, you feel a little better. I'd say that's probably the only tool that it's the, the closest to. Otherwise, I really have not found anything quite like it. And I, and I do, I think it's because we, we spend so much of our lives in our brain in this world. We really like to use our brain. We're praised for using our brain. Like, good job. You're smart. You got an A plus, you know, we're like the intelligence is really praised. But of course, that is a powerful um, characteristic. That is a powerful talent to have is intelligence. And at the same time, there is something that's, you know, deeper than I'd say the intelligence of the brain. That's the intelligence of the body. It's the intelligence of your emotions. It's the intelligence that um, gets stored within you. It's that inner knowing it's intuition, right? And when we use tools like breath work um, to unlock that, to get beneath some of the clutter and some of the anxieties that daily life presents us, especially living in a pandemic time, uh, when we get past, when we're allowing ourselves to move through it, not necessarily as a journey to jump through, but when we just allow ourselves to move through it, just are able to feel a little bit more yourself. So I'd say it's different in all the ways. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, I, I experience it the same way that I haven't found another modality that, um, just works as quickly as effectively, um, and has, can, can have so many breakthrough moments so quickly mm. uh, i'm i'm in therapy and have gone through many different iterations of therapy and i find that talk therapy is certainly helpful uh to some extent yeah um but i feel like i've had experiences where i in one breathwork session i was able to work through something that probably would have taken me a year or more yeah. in talk therapy yeah, you are not alone in that, Noah. I hear that all the time. It's how was that one class, like 10 years of talk therapy? And it, it, there's sort of a couple different reasons and answers to that. But one of them is because talking is deeply therapeutic. That's why we have therapists. That's why we know, you know, I have a therapist. It's an incredible supplemental tool to the work, to my breath work and my meditation practices. It's also true that, and especially when you find a really good therapist, right? It's also true that the reason you felt like you had, you know, those 10 years of therapy in, in one breathwork session is because there's all that energy stored in our bodies that talking can't always reach. So that's just not always the way in which we can express ourselves. It's the same reason why you would use a guitar over a piano, or if someone's, you know, works out where you run versus do yoga, like we, we need to stretch and you also you know, need to slow down. And we also might feel good for you to run. It's about allowing ourselves to connect into all the things that our body holds. And we really, frankly, we need it all. I mean, you talked about like, you know, you said it twice, I think like there's this specific breathwork pattern. The yeah. one that I, I know of and experienced is like the two breaths in first into your belly, then your chest, and then an exhale out, uh, and then a continuous 
basically a cycle of that. Is that the, the specific? Yes, you're talking about? that is the one that I teach. I, the reason I speak to that is because there are so many forms of breathwork practices out there that when someone just says a word, the word breathwork, we not, you know, the, the lineage with which it could be of might have a completely different tool or tactic. So there's, you know, a form out there. It's not the form that I teach. That's a deep, a different manipulated breath. It's, it's deeper. It's through mouth and or nose and goes on for hours at a time. So there's such different various techniques that I usually like to, to be specific about the one that I love and practice. And I've studied a handful of them, none as deeply as this one that I teach, because this is the one, the two breath pattern. It's that deep belly breath. It's a breath into the heart. And then it's an X an exhale. And the only ad I would give to your description, Noah, I was, would be that it's a little bit more closely connected to circular breath mm-hmm. than not. That doesn't mean necessarily, you know, how to, you, you need to know how to circular breathe. It's just that as soon as you're out of breath on that exhale, usually I'm pushing an individual or a client to pick it right back up on that next inhale. Uh, but that is absolutely the breath pattern. So you let the, you let the exhale go until the end before you start another one. So a little bit of both. So and this is going to depend on the individual that's coming in, but in general, how I would describe it is when you're first laying down to breathe, usually it takes the mind about eight to 10 minutes, eight to nine minutes to really start to go offline and for us to activate the heart chakra for us to, to really start to drop into and connect to our energy source. So in that state though, up until those first, let's say like eight ish minutes, I'm really going to push people when they finish their exhale, not necessarily at anything pushed, not, um, you know, exaggerated, just a natural exhale. When you exhale out your breath, once you're done with that exhale to pick it right back up on that next inhale and not really linger not have any too long a pause. So I'll just give you a little example. So belly breath, heart breath, exhale, right? So you kind of hear that little right back that exhale, you pick it right back up. And usually that's going to be in that eight ish minutes where someone is first laying down, because that's where you're in your mind. Your mind is most active. You're making your grocery lists. You're telling yourself you're bad at meditation, right? That's where that's how all that's happening. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I could have done this, whatever that might be. Right. When that's happening, that's okay. It's no problem. You're human, right? My intention in this space is to help you identify with that humanity. You're human. You're going to have thoughts. That's completely normal and safe. But when you're not lingering on that exhale and you're picking it pretty quickly right back up, it will just really allow you to sink into the rhythm and to drop into your heart. I'd say a little bit more easeful. Now, after that, we might make some noises, you know, after 10 minutes or so, we make some noises, whether that's laughing or crying. Um, sometimes we'll, oftentimes we'll have the crap, the group make a loud yell or a moan. That is when it's fine. That is no problem for you to linger on that exhale, to moan it out, to, you know, even just allow yourself to shake a little bit. We're moving energy in that space. And that's really an important place to be. So at that, after that point, I'm not really going to um, instruct anybody to exhale a certain way. I would mostly just work with you one-on-one. If maybe that individual is having a hard time and is feeling stuck, I might insist that they, you know, pick it up a little bit. You might be sitting in some resistance and that's really the trick with breath work. Can we identify when we're 
in resistance and not wanting to go to this place that's maybe a little uncomfortable or a little unknown and or notice when it's that healthy edge of where actually this is uncomfortable and unknown but it just might be right for me to see what's on the other side of that Mm -hmm. so I'm really wanting to push people right up to that healthy edge and is it for you like that space to go into a little bit further or are you is where you are in the healthy edge the right spot yeah, it's why I think that meditation seems to me, sorry, um, breath work to me seems closer to my exercise practice and my yoga practice than it does to my meditation practice. Mm-hmm. It feels active to me because of my anxiety and depression and different things that I deal with right. my mental health. Meditation keeps me in my head, even though the whole idea is to try to like notice the thoughts and then not, not get attached on that train, whatever that I it's, it's very challenging to do that when you're someone who has anxiety and, and totally navigating through that. Um, so what I love about breathwork is that it's just like, this is something you can do actively and you're, and what you said before, but you're, you're kind of pushing yourself to the edge. There is, it's almost like you're purposely like, like stirring things up, you know, to, to, you know, lift, lift you up and it's, it's not a peaceful meditative experience. It's actually very active. And, and, um, you know, sometimes that can be scary for people. Yeah. And you know what, too, I'll say, you know what, for some people, it is just peaceful and it isn't actually scary at all. And some of us, it is scary. And it's, it's like the variety of those experiences is completely normal. And I really, you know, it's, it's, I do really want to normalize that because I think that there's such a perspective of, okay, well, you know, if I didn't, I do this, I'm guilty of this with my workouts. If I didn't sweat enough, did I really get a good enough workout in? Right. And yes, of course there are days that one is better. Your workout was better than it was another day. Of course, that's going to happen. Your body's different. The same thing happens with breath work. The same thing happens in meditation. You're a different version of yourself in every minute, in every moment. You're, you're growing. We just don't always see that in real time happening before our eyes. And so when someone lays down for breath work today versus tomorrow versus next week, to really lean into allowing yourself to be those different people and for that experience to unfold, right? I had a, a client was one of my favorite stories is really just this highly intelligent scientist, but could feel just disconnected to something and yet knew that, that they were wanting, they, they didn't understand how to explain it other than to say, I'm wanting more. I was wanting more of a connection. And I understood exactly what they were referencing to, right. And how they were feeling. And so and when we lay down to breathe, one of the things I really encouraged them to do was to not let themselves think that the, anything big needed to happen here. It was like to drop the expectation that you need to have a big response, that there needs to be anything life-changing right now, we're just going to breathe together. This is just a simple space to lay down and breathe and to relax and to reset. And, you know, usually I'm going to say with someone like that, they'll come a handful of times. They'll, they will, they won't know why they'll leave being feeling reset. They leave feeling a little rejuvenated because they've let their mind rest. They've sat in a, in a meditative state, right? And over time, usually I'd say that person's going to come back and have some sort of big emotional release as well. Um, it's just, it's going to depend for every individual, but you bring up a really good point, which is the notion of not getting attached to that thought. You said not letting yourself get attached to the thoughts and, and to just like, you know, let it happen. And 
in the shamatha vipassana practice one of the biggest teachings in that lineage is about beginning again and it feels so important it relates to breath work it relates to meditation it relates to life we we like create these like strange expectations for ourselves and our minds right I need to be good at this have finished this by this age society told me this whatever the thoughts are we've created this these expectations this is what being a good meditator looks like right mm-hmm. and then we say things like oh i'm not good at meditating or oh, I didn't have that big experience that my friend told me I should have. So I must not be whatever that is. And the notion in this, in Buddhist lineage of beginning again, is actually the note, the, the, the belief that as soon as you think, you know, everything, you know, nothing at all. Mm-hmm. So, right. Can we all adapt that beginner's mind and come back to the beginning and begin again, every breath, every thought, Every moment is an opportunity to begin again. And I find when we bring that perspective into all meditative practices, uh, traditional or breath work or otherwise, we actually allow ourselves to meet the you that's there today and give the, then your body has the experience that it's in need of having today. And that really does sort of lead us directly to the, my second thing I wanted to share about anxiety and depression, because you spoke to that, the people that practice beginning again and letting themselves begin again do seem to start to move through the anxiety and depression it's when we hold ourselves to get over it move through it i hate this feeling i don't want to feel it anyone who's prone to anxiety attacks knows that that we don't want to feel it it's horrible and when really when we let ourselves continuously come back to that beginning begin again begin again begin again right? Something happens in that natural repetitive state that allows you to then move through the bigness of the, of the feelings of the anxiety of the depression. And it's when you're able to move through them that they, they do end up releasing from your body, your real body releases a hold on them and you can feel transformed. Mm. Yeah. I've been navigating lately about like when I, when mired in anxiety, um, like wondering if just, you know, maybe this is really cynical, but wondering if like the idea that change is possible, that happiness could be attainable, that full, full loving, you know, a full feeling of loving is, is, is possible. Um, like it, like my cynical self is like, is that, is that just a, like a something that some I'm being sold mm. if, or, or is that actually true is that actually possible is change really possible is it possible to move through these things and get mm. another side that feels a bit more free you landed on the most important word there such a beautiful thought but what an important word there free because you're right we are sold beliefs We are sold belief systems, we are sold perspectives, and then we take them as our own and decide that then that means we haven't gotten the manual for life. Mm. I had a client sit in one of my circles recently. This was just a couple months ago. And she said, I, I don't think I got the manual for life at birth. Like I, I, I was missed and everyone else seems to like know what that is and have that. And it, it hearing that language described it was 
right? And my, my heart, my instinct, of course, wants to say a whole lot of things. And of course, I said none, because this is her journey, and it's part of her thing to unpack. But one of the feelings that I, I have to that is, oh, wait, none of us got that manual. We were all skipped with that manual. And it absolutely is the idea that we are not meant to be suffering, the idea that we are meant to be happy, that we are supposed to look like this, that we are supposed to have a body like this, that, right, this is what a good body looks like. This is what a bad body looks like. This is what pretty skin looks like. This is what it, the um, chills for spirit moving all through me right now. My body's heightened on some goosebumps. It's that idea that we are supposed to be reaching there, which as we know is a ladder that we can never climb that keeps us in our suffering, right? That keeps us cycling in the suffering longer. And when you do let it go and granted, it's something, it's not something that, you know, I'm a spiritual teacher and I do it every day and every moment I had therapy this morning and I was letting go of a new one, you know, like we're always, as long as we're in our human body suits, we're letting go of these beliefs over and over again and unpacking new ones and seeing what's keeping us shackled. It's the free. When we can let ourselves see that it's the feeling of freedom in any given moment, it's what will make me feel free, what will make me step closer to truth, what will help me unpack Um you know, these feelings, what will help me feel a little more me? What does feeling a little more me feel like, look like? If we can let freedom be what guides us, I mean, yeah, I think we'd be in a pretty powerful place as as a species. I am loving this conversation. Me too. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your expanded Wild Hearts project? Uh, mm, it's fascinating. Yes. I, um, I know that you're very excited about it and, it, and it's like, I would love for you to share a little bit about what you're doing. You know, it's my favorite program. I feel so grateful that this, this one came through me. It's a, it was rooted, you know, I'll share, I'll share the personal story where it came from. Not a lot of people know this one. Um, about gosh, now how long ago, maybe two and a half years ago, we're coming up on three years. My fiance and I have been engaged. We had a COVID wedding. It got indefinitely postponed and now we're indefinitely engaged. Um, <laughs> uh, mostly cause I don't feel like planning anything. Um, so when he proposed, I had this experience, out-of-body experience where I sort of like floated out of my body. He had also um, lovingly threw me a surprise engagement party immediately after. So I walked into my folks' house and there was all these people that I love. And I mean, it, it catapulted, it threw me into what I then called the love bubble. And it was an experience where I felt so like, so much love. It was almost overwhelming. And it wasn't just from the people. It was an energy. It was quite literally a vibration that my body just sort of like jumped into. And then I floated above my body and I saw this whole thing happening. And it was like this right here, this love bubble is what it's all about. 
This is what it's all about. And it's what everybody deserves to feel, no matter whether it's it's not the engagement. It was just the engagement that gave us an excuse to experience that feeling. And there goes the goosebumps again. It was this love bubble and the feeling was how can I take a lo- this love bubble and how can we help people create that in their life, no matter their circumstances. And so that's what expanded wild hearts came from was what stands in our way often of the vibration of love. And now there's of course, a lot of things that stand in our way. And I think that must be said, including, you know, injustice and patriarchal and um, deeper conversations that, you know, I'd absolutely be happy to get into, but one of the things that stands in our way is fear. And what I decided or could see, I don't know if I decided or someone else or something else, but what I could see happening was when we give ourselves permission to move through our fears and the ones that we know of and the subconscious ones, it allows us to create our own version of the love bubble naturally, whether it's because we've been proposed to or not, right? And that was how the program was developed. It became, um, it it actually started as a four-day experience where we spent two days moving through fear and two days returning to love. And there's exercises and tools and meditations Um, that's one of my meditations. I call the love bubble meditation that's in there, uh, that I channeled and work with. And then breath work, um, of course, to help us move through all the things that we talk about and go through. So it's really a four day healing intensive of moving through fear, returning to love and using tools like breath work, meditation, and intuitive coaching to help and each other, the group and the mirrors that groups can act as and show for one another to help people unlock um, their own love bubble. My love, it's gonna be alright. My love, we're gonna be just fine. My love, we gotta just hang tight. This love is stronger than this fight. This love is stronger than dynamite. My love, we can make it through the night and bring it back to life. Mm. That sounds delicious. Thank you. Delicious is a great word. I'm so, I do, I get really hyped up on it and uh, just all giddy because it, it is, it's, and it's, it's seemed to show that the test of time so far for me, I have started it probably five years ago. Um, did it a couple in, in weekends in person and then the COVID happened and I moved it. I didn't think it was ever going to be an online program and I found a way it worked really well. And I ran it over a couple different weekends throughout the pandemic. And then I just got to have my first in-person again in October. So I'm still pretty, um, yeah, lit up about it. Uh, I would love to participate in that. And hopefully our listeners can, uh, are being lit up by just hearing about it and that they'll find you on your website. We're going to make, uh, resources available and links available to uh, learn more about you and the work that you're doing. Um, I have one more question, but maybe it'll lead to a million more questions, but um, a big part of what we do at the Be Major podcast is trying to find the meeting point of creativity and wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder how you define the word creativity Mm -hmm. and um, your, like how you feel breath work and Vipassana and all of these wellness practices 
um, can help us cultivate more of that creativity? Mm. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I'd say that these practices are everything in helping cultivate more creativity. You know, when you look at what stands in our way of creativity, it's um, limiting beliefs, self-doubts, um, you know, even uh, belief systems that were taught, what were taught about creativity. You know, I had a friend who was raised in a religion that didn't uh, believe in dance. And so she really struggled with the creativity of dance and understanding why dance was important. And um, yeah, so, you know, it's, I'd say these practices are everything in cultivating our relationship with creativity, because when you move through what stands in your way of being creative and you move through the imposter syndrome and the self-doubts and the, I don't have a voice, why me, you know, BS, you create. And when you create, you heal. And when you heal, you become the ripple effect that helps others heal. And when you become the ripple effect and helps others heal, they create. And so there, there we, there we go, right. There's our, um, healthy human being society. I would hope eventually, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's everything really. And I'd also say it's not, it's yes, it's moving through the things that stand in your way, but it's also about allowing yourself to open to new perspectives and new ways of feeling and thinking, you know, it's one of the things that I find breathwork to be so supportive of is helping people, uh, see through, see through the lens with which they're seeing the world. So meaning it's no longer just the lens that they have on their glasses. It's, um, something a little deeper. It's maybe the lens of, of a connection to mother earth or a lens of a connection to oneself, or you understand someone that caused you pain a little bit more differently. So you can have these big healing moments or revelations, if you will, throughout breathwork experiences that can help you then, um, uh, step into the world, feeling a little bit more you, which allows you to widen that lens. And when we widen our lenses, as it relates to how we are connecting to the world, it's, I just see so much more creativity being able to come from that place. Hmm. Um, and that creation, that creativity is helpful and healing for somebody else to see and receive. Right. So, I mean, as far as what comes first? I'm not really sure. Probably both, I would say. But if anyone is ever stuck in their creative, you know, I'm a writer. I know that I have writer's block. It's instant. I'm going to lay down and do breath work. I'm going to take myself out on an artist date and I'm going to lay down and do breath work and just allow some things to be reignited and to look at what it is that's really keeping me in resistance. And breath work is incredible at helping you move through your own resistance and the ways in which you know, you stand in your own way. Um, I love when you call how you called it the meeting of creativity and wellness. I don't, I really don't know which one comes first. I, I'd say it's whatever you want really, right? Like write because you feel like writing and then lay down to breathe and see if you get more ideas. I'd say we lay down to breathe and we open up the doors for more to happen. There is, you know, oftentimes I'll end a session, a session with a private client. And I see, when I see private clients, I see them usually back to back. So I have about, you know, seven clients in a day and there's, you know, I have breaks, maybe 15 minutes between each client, 
Sometimes we need to use the 15 minutes. We need a little extra support with that client. Oftentimes I try to, you know, keep that pretty tight so I can get more water and whatnot. And if that client, if there's, if, especially if it's someone who knows me well, and I know I can feel that the state that I'm leaving them in is that they're feeling safe and comfortable, but they just need some more support in processing. I tell them to grab their pens, a notebook and journal it out. Mm-hmm. Grab your pen and your notebook and write about what just happened, what you just experienced, help your body further process some of what you just went through. So, you know, writing to me is an essential part of healing and, and helping you in, in moving through emotions and experiences. And I would say, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a musician, but there's just no way it's, that's an art form. There's just no way that that wouldn't be, that would be any different or for the painters or for the sculptors, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's simply a state that you connect in with that you're allowing yourself to get into this deeper flow, like state, and you're pushing something through you, whether you understand it or not. Um, and I think breath work and meditation and any kind of wellness can simply be the most beautiful compliment. It's almost like they need each other to be the best versions of themselves. Mm. Yeah. It's um, first of all, what you were saying about um, which one comes first. That's, that's the whole point of this project is that yeah. they both lead to each other, right? Our wellness yeah. practices lead us to be more creative and our creative practices actually could be used to help us heal. Um, and I also love what you were saying that like, when we drop into the body, we learn, uh, the heart wisdom that then we can employ the brain, the way that what our brain is for, which is helping the process, helping to fix the problems, helping to do like all the stuff that it's actually doing by itself without our conscious yeah. attention, you know, yes. when t- let's drop into the body first, figure, yeah. like, like, let's learn here. And then it's like, okay, now I want to use the brain like for what it's actually there for. Totally. You, my, um, one of my teachers said this once and it always made me laugh hysterically. She said, unless in your meditation, you have just come up with the cure to cancer. You keep meditating. It's all just a thought and you keep meditating until your timer goes off or the dinger or the bell, whatever. Unless you've gone with the cancer, you keep meditating. And I always kind of, it always kind of made me laugh a little because it, I mean, of course it gets the point across, which is like the severity, you know, resistance wants to stop you from the change because we're change feels scary for most people, not everybody, but most people feel some semblance of trepidation as it relates to change. But when we allow ourselves to move through that resistance, there's just so much beauty that's beyond it. And so her point is, yeah, unless it's that level of severity, you don't need to go sit and re- oh, hold on. I got this idea. I have to go write it down because in the middle of your meditation, if that's supposed to be there with you and, mm-hmm. and help you through in a deeper and bigger way, that's not leaving. Once it comes in, like you, you're connected in with it. That's going to take you, you know, a million more steps forward. So absolutely. You're, you're onto something with the, what cart comes before the horse. I mean, who, does it matter? I don't know. Let's do them all. It doesn't matter. Exactly. It's just the awareness that yeah. like, it's something to consider. It's like yeah. saying, if you're stuck as an artist or you're stuck as a creative, then drop into your, don't try to like learn more about your creativity. Like, yes. Try, maybe try to get into your wellness practices, your yes. modalities of wellness to, and that can help unlock. And if you're feeling like you're needing a wellness experience, potentially our creativity can be yes. the pathways back 
to that. It's like we don't often add creativity as one of the wellness modalities, um, but it it is like that's our, right. Our writing, our singing, our playing, our that's right. Our painting, whatever that is, that also can be the like one of the modalities. Absolutely, you are absolutely right. It you're moving energy, you're moving energy in the body, and some people I do want to kind of take that step back right there and just speak to that because people do say like, what does that even mean to move energy? It's like your body is made up of energy, whatever you're conscious of or not conscious of. Your your DNA is energy, right? And if we just allow ourselves to identify that that is energy, so whether you're stuck with writing and or you're stuck in your wellness practice or you're feeling conflicted by one or the other, have it's, it's allowing yourself to step into the other, the one that's not necessarily feeling stuck or sticky or right. Allowing yourself to step into and kind of bounce between without a doubt, it's going to move energy within your body. And so that's going to help allow you to amplify the entire experience of it all. Your, whether that be your healing and your wellness or your creativity. Absolutely. Well, Jenna, this has been an incredible time together. I'm so grateful that you made the time to, to chat with me today. I know that uh, there's going to be a lot of people listening that have a lot of questions or want to reach out to you. Uh, so what's the best way for people to reach out to you and find out more about your work? Yes. Um, it was so fun, by the way. I'm always, when we have good conversations, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been an hour. We're so lucky. Um Yes, I would love to to connect in with anyone who's interested in asking more, you know, looking at ways to dive in. To me, I think one of the pieces of this practice that's so powerful is that you can, you know, a lot of people let um, finances and and, uh, money obstacles and energy blocks stand in their way of moving things forward. Like your breath is yours. You can use it, um, you know, reach out really with many people often even you come to one thing so I can teach it to you and hold space for you. And then you can take it on your own too. I just want more and more people feeling, feeling themselves. So reach out at any time. Um, I'd say my website, which is just my name, uh, Jenna Reese, R-E-I-S-S, and that's Jenna with two N's, uh, Jenna Reese.com. And then my Instagram is probably the platform I'm most um, active on. So that's also my name. There's just a little M in the middle for Michelle. So it's Jenna M Reese, R E I S S. Those are two of the best ways, but I'm on, I'm on all the spaces. I don't know. I'm on Facebook as well. I guess I'm not on all of them. I'm on Facebook as well. You can find me there too. Well, thank you again for opening up and being so, uh, just so fluid with all of the stuff that you're teaching. Uh, and I really hope that we can find ways to stay connected. Yes, absolutely. No, it was so fun today. Thank you once again to Jenna Reese for coming on to the show today. We will make links available to all the places where you can connect with her and her powerful work. I hope you found today's episode meaningful. If you're enjoying these podcasts and have feedback on how we can improve upon the offerings, I'd welcome your input. Feel free to reach out to me via social media. You can drop me a note on Instagram at bmajorco or email me directly at info at Make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel and are following me on social media for all the latest updates on my Revoice workshops or any live performances I'll be doing in your area soon. 
As always, I'm reminding you that we all have the capacity to be more creative and that your voice is needed now more than ever. Remember, through daily practice and intentional living, we can all be happier, healthier, more creative. We can all be major. Yeah.